Clink, clink. Cheers, guys. Welcome to Animations and Libations. My name is CJ. And I'm Cam. And today we're going to be talking about the first season of Rick and Morty. Yeah, Rick and Morty. I'm really excited for this one because I know you've been obsessed with this show and now you've kind of got me obsessed with this show. So I have so much to say on this topic. And that's why we're limiting it to the first season. If we went any further than that, this podcast would be two hours long. Well, we're not even going to get into every episode because there's so much to talk about. But first, before we get into it, our drink of the day, if you might have noticed, our clink sounded a little bit different <laughs> because CJ has her flask Yeah, with I'm us. chugging right from my flask, you guys. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm embodying Rick here. <laughs> but I made a drink out of sparkling pineapple juice. This is Sumo brand pineapple sparkling juice, um, but you can also get other brands. I know Grace makes a brand. And we mix this with the Georgian Bay gin. Because Rick would be a gin guy. I don't know why. I just, we had a strong inkling towards the gin. And this gin is made with juniper and other botanicals, apparently. Wild botanicals. You can't really taste it. But to me, it tastes just like Rick himself. It's a little bit sour and full of alcohol. (laughs) Yeah. These are really boozy drinks. Well, yours is mostly gin because we couldn't get much juice into your flask, so. Whoops. (laughs) So if I get a little bit sloppy, you'll have to excuse me. If I belch, I'm just in character today. So I finally got CJ to watch the show after telling her how amazing it was and all the crazy things they do. But because of the creators, Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon, she finally was convinced. I am a huge fan of community. So the second you said Dan Harmon was attached to this, I was like, I'm in. And it's definitely paid off because this show has gotten a lot of hype and I think that it's well-deserved. It's one of the most inventive, creative shows I've ever seen for a cartoon. And this is including Adventure Time. Justin and Dan really outdid themselves. We could go into a whole thing about the creation and how they got into this show and how they came up with it, but I think we're going to do a shot episode about that later. It's kind of an interesting story. Yeah, we'll save that for another time because that's an episode of itself. But one of the reasons I was hesitant to watch this show was because of the animation style. It's very simplistic. It's very flat, two-dimensional, and their pupils in this were little asterisks almost. They're not rounded pupils, and it really bugged me for a while, but after a while... dots. Yeah. What is with all these weird pupils in cartoons these days, yeah, guys. Yeah, do and their purple circles, and now this one with their squiggles. Are they just trying to do it to be different? It makes all the characters look a little more manic, though. Yeah. And after a while and seeing Rick, I, I really think it does suit this show. Like, it is that much more edgy, and it's, it is that crazy of a show. So you get over it really quickly, and because it's such a flat animation style, they can get into a lot of cool, interesting places without having to worry too much about how they're making it look. Mm -hmm. They don't need to go into that detail or make it look realistic. And the show isn't very realistic. It's able to explore and go into your imagination. And so I think that's why you kind of get over that style really quickly. And for me, the eyes, you only really notice when there's close-ups of their face. When it's far away, you don't quite notice that as much. I didn't notice it at all. I thought it was just Rick because I noticed it on him first, and then I realized they all have those squiggly Mm. pupils, and their noses are just a typical little, like, L shape, you know what I mean? Like a triangle nose. Like, they didn't get really deep into the features of the characters, but it works really well because they focus on other things. They spend their time developing the worlds and characters rather than trying to make it flashy. They build these characters really three-dimensional with their personalities, and that makes up for it. 
Before we get into the premise of the show, I just want to say, spoiler alert, guys, because we are going to be talking about all of the first season, and you may think, spoiler alert for a cartoon show? And although the storyline doesn't develop all that much throughout this first season, each episode does kind of take a weird twist or has an ending that I didn't really expect, so I don't want to ruin it for you if you haven't seen the first season. We highly, highly recommend you guys go out and watch it, but even if you listen to this and think, oh no, now I know what's going to happen, it's still worth watching because you're going to be laughing so hard, I promise you. Like, tears rolling down my face laughing so much at this show. These episodes are so dense. There are so many, like, throwaway lines that just happen in the background that you miss some of the dialogue because you're laughing so hard. And I think that's what makes this show so rewatchable, you know? So if, yeah. if you do think that we've touched on topics, we're only touching on, like, one twentieth of what's happening in the first season. It is jam-packed. Everything that happens, every other line, they say something funny, and sometimes you don't even realize it because there's so many different throwaway lines. They touch on a lot of different types of humor. So if dark humor isn't really always your thing, they do have a lot of other types. There's social commentary, it's satirical. There's also, like, family commentary because it is kind of a family drama dramedy, I was going to say, is that a word? It's kind of a family dramedy, and they have all sorts of different types of humor peppered in there, so it's not just one type of humor where if you don't like laughing at this kind of thing, you're not going to get it. It is a little bit lowbrow at first. When I watched the pilot, I really didn't watch the rest for a long time, because I didn't like all the burping, and it's like fart jokes, you know, like with early South Park. It took me a long time to get into it. I actually had to watch three or four episodes before I liked it, because I'm not a fan of, like, fart jokes and toilet humor and and the belching. Oh my gosh, they overdo it in that pilot. So stick with it, guys. They do lessen that kind of... I actually recommend starting right at the second or third episode. You don't have to start right at the beginning as long as you know that it's about Rick and Morty. So we didn't really get into it. Rick and Morty. Rick is Morty's grandfather. He comes back after, whatever, 20 years of being away to his daughter, who is Morty's mom played by Sarah Chalk, and her husband Jerry, who's played by Chris Parnell, so there's some really famous mm-hmm. names, out, well, sort of famous names out there, doing these voices, and Morty lives with his sister Summer as well. So that's kind of the family drama I was talking about, and that's what it's centered around. It's Rick living with this family, and he's into all this crazy science, and he ends up bringing Morty on all these crazy adventures through different dimensions, through time, he goes inside people, anything can happen. He is a master of, like, all science. As opposed to his grandson, Morty, who is not very intelligent at all. And that's what I love so much about this pairing, is Rick is so well-versed on so many topics, and he's dragging this kind of idiot kid along with him. There's a little bit of a bond there, but then at the same time, you feel like, to Rick, he's a little bit expendable. I don't know, like, he's family, but he feels superior to everyone around him. He's very egocentric, he's kind of maniacal, like, sociopathic in in a weird way. Definitely, I definitely see that. And with Morty, I think they kind of show him exploiting Morty almost and bringing Mm -hmm. him along, like, he's just that young body. But as the season develops, you find out there's a little bit more to that story. He's not just bringing him along to be a young pair of legs. Like, Rick is very able for an old man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's not hindered by... Uh, physical limitations. No. He is using him in some of the first episodes uh, to smuggle substances. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> his his rectum will no longer fit these mega seeds. He's done it way too many times. You gotta <laughs> shove him way up your bum, Morty. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the kind of humor that I didn't really like at first. But if you keep watching, stick with it, you'll find it's it's a much deeper show. Mm-hmm. 
Another thing about Morty is that they kind of explore the dark sexuality of a 14-year-old boy in a really interesting way. Because at first, we're all very uncomfortable with that at that age. But they show him being that kid who's constantly trying to get with the girl and not in a wholesome family way. Like, he wants to <laughs> screw, like, every girl they meet in the show and this girl he likes in high school. They really explore that, and in one episode where he brings home this, like, alien sex robot, his mother, when he's upstairs squeaking on the bed, his father's like, shouldn't we stop this? And the mom's like, he's 14 years old, we can't stop puberty, just let's be proud of him, and that's such a good <laughs> attitude to take. Although it makes you feel really awkward, it is. it is kind of a healthy attitude to take. I would like to argue that it's really not so bad, and even though it makes us uncomfortable, it's kind of... A good thing. It's a rite of passage. You don't want to give kids these complexes about sexuality. And I was going to say, it's safer with a sex bot than a real person. But at the <laughs> yeah, same time, too. no, he does end up procreating with this yeah. sex bot. So. Yeah, well, he didn't know. It was apparently a procreation bot, not, a, <laughs> not just a sex bot. It's alien, after all. And yeah, they got it in an intergalactic pawn shop or something like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was used, which... That's the problem I would have with this sex bot is that it was a used well, yeah, it's a pawn shop, right. but Morty doesn't care. He's 14. He's just happy to have it. It was, like, banging, you know? It's practice. <laughs> it was. And I, I just want to say one more thing about that is that that's kind of how this show takes everything. It makes you uncomfortable a lot of the mm. time, but it also kind of makes you question why those things make you uncomfortable in a really good way. So we'll get into that a little bit later. Before we get on too many tangents of what we love about these characters, though, let's get into some of our favorite episodes. Ooh. One of my favorites is Anatomy Park. Yes. Because this is kind of a holiday episode. It ends up being a Christmas episode. It is a Christmas episode. Yeah. I forgot that part of that. <laughs> but Rick is checking in on this homeless fellow. He's decided to give back and give him his annual physical. Which didn't seem right at all. No, that seemed way too generous for a character like Rick. And you very quickly learn that he's building a theme park inside of this alcoholic homeless man who's dressed as Santa. Yeah, it's so cool. He shrinks Morty down, injects him inside the homeless man, and there's just this theme park, Anatomy <laughs> Park. All of his organs are different rides, and most of them are takes on certain Disney rides. Yeah. But can I list a couple of my favorite here? Yes. We've got the Haunted Liver, Bladder Falls, <laughs> the Colon Log Ride. Ew, I would not want to go on that one. No. Um, you've got Lung Liftoff, but the all-time best ride at the park, according to Rick... And underrated... Is Pirates of the Pancreas. It's got a lot of potential, guys. <laughs> Pirates of the Pancreas. He had to fight really hard for that one, but he thinks it's going to be a huge hit. Yeah, if you have time, check out Pirates of the Pancreas. <laughs> <laughs> the whole reason that he shrinks Morty down in this episode, though, is to find a professor who is inside this park. Dr. Xenon Bloom is actually played by John Oliver, who I love. <laughs> I love his show. If you don't watch Last Week Tonight on HBO, check it out. And this show has a lot of guest stars doing these voices, too. Christina Hendricks comes in one, and David Cross is in that Shamalians one. So if you like a lot of celebrity cameo voices, this is definitely a cartoon to check out for that reason. Uh, there's also a lot of community connections, because he was on Community as well. He was Duncan. Oh, I forgot he was in yep. Community. Such a... I wish they really developed his role more in Community. <laughs> he got too famous for that. But this theme park is also kind of a take on Jurassic Park, because once Morty gets inside, he realizes 
realizes that all the diseases and bacteria are roaming free. Yeah. They are destroying this theme park. And so they have to run away from such things as E. coli and the bubonic plague. And hepatitis C. And hepatitis B. Actually, it's hepatitis A is chasing after them when they're trying to escape. And hepatitis C comes and eats hepatitis A. And then he kind of gives them a nod and walks away. And... They are all really surprised at and that. And shaken, like, what yeah. just happened? But one of the workers is just like, no, I think hepatitis C is just like that. He's a They're, good guy. Yeah, he's just a cool guy. <laughs> so he's painted as this alien creature monster thing that's drooling with all these fangs and claws. But no, he's just a cool guy. Yeah, so all of these diseases are giant kind of monsters that are trying to eat them. Like Jurassic Park mm-hmm. and the giant dinosaurs. There's even a scene where they're fighting gonorrhea, and the doctor, Dr. Bloom, says, he can't see you if you don't move. And then it comes at them, and he's like, oh, wait, that's a T-Rex. <laughs> so if you didn't think it was a Jurassic Park ripoff, there you go. Yeah, and there's this big, burly character named Poncho, and I just love hearing John Oliver saying, why, Poncho, why? <laughs> he's trying to smuggle that bubonic plague out and sell it to the highest bidder, you yeah. know, North Korea, ISIS, and what else do they say? Like, bald guy. Guys. Like, he just starts <laughs> listing the weirdest things of anyone, yeah. you know, people on the internet. Yeah, so that's why they all got out. He actually had let them out on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, damn you, Poncho. <laughs> <laughs> but they finally escape out of the left nipple. But in order to get there, they have to ride the bone train. Do you, you want to ride the bone train? I don't know. Do you want to ride the bone train, CJ? Why and- are you doing this bit? That's what Morty was saying to Dr. Bloom, because he kept saying, do you want to ride the bone train? And he's like, stop it with this bit. We're in serious danger. And Rick had realized where the size is relative. The size is relative. That's what he kept saying. So he blew up this homeless man to, like, the size of the United States. And that's how they escaped out of the left nipple as normal-sized people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this bone train was actually just, like, a subway that ran through the skeletal structure, so yeah. that's why they called it the bone train. I guess when you've created the bone train, you finally get to use that joke. You want to use it. You're going to say it as many times as possible. <laughs> yeah. You don't know when else you're going to have visitors, because are they shrinking everyone down to come and visit this park? I really don't I understand how that's, that's going to work. I think that's what he was going to do. I ah. think he, he was going to charge admission and just shrink them down to go inside. I don't think he was ever going to intentionally blow them up that big, because it seemed to really be his eureka moment when he realized he could blow up the man so large that that's how he's going to get them out and save them. But if I were Rick, I would blackmail people, because you shrink them down, and then you can just leave them in there, and they have to keep spending money at all your attractions and if they want to get out hey it's another fee to get out of the body i didn't even think of that i think he just thought it would have such a draw (laughs) well that pirates of the pancreas i mean who wouldn't want to go at this one at the very end there was also this whole thing going on in the family with christmas and jerry and um summer and her boyfriend Mm -hmm. and then at the very end if you watch past the credits there is the scene where her boyfriend is lying on the table and he's the new anatomy park. Every single episode has a little Easter egg at the very end of the credits, which are really short. Yes. They're not very long credits. It's a short opening. It's a short ending credits. And watch till the end because they often have things that further the storyline. Some of the funniest bits are in those scenes. And you really wouldn't think to watch past it. Most times when you see credits and there's 30 seconds, 40 seconds left, you just skip to the next episode. But don't do it. Watch all the way to the I didn't end. realize it until the ninth episode, and then I had to go back and watch them all. <laughs> I didn't realize it until one day I just let the ending credits play, and I'm like, okay, so like 45 seconds of credits, but it's only like 20 to 30, mm-hmm. and then there's another scene. That's what I mean when I say these episodes are so dense. Even in 30 seconds, they tell a whole nother story. 
they pull from so many different pop culture references, like we said, Jurassic Park and the Disney rides, and they explore a lot of other common tropes that we know in, well, Western culture. But this show also explores a lot of things that are completely new and so inventive. Mm-hmm. Like my next favorite episode that I want to talk about, Mr. Meeseeks. <sighs> Mr. Meeseeks. You think it's kind of a genie in a bottle, but it's so much no, more it's than so that. so much more than that. So in this episode, Rick and Morty are about to go on an adventure. Rick's going to let Morty lead this adventure. And the family kind of intervenes. They come into the garage and they're like, we need help with this. We need help with that. And Rick's like, I can't solve all your problems. But here, have a Meeseeks box. How does it work? Well, you push the button on top. This blue weird guy comes out and is like, hi, I'm Mr. Meeseeks. Look Look at at me. (laughs) Every single time. I'm Mr. Meeseeks. Look at me. And then you tell him something to do. And he fulfills that purpose. And then poof disappears out of existence. And that's how a Meeseeks box works. For example, Rick says, open this jar. He opens the jar and he poofs out of existence. So the family's like, great, we have this. And they go off on their own way. And they each come up with something they want to ask the Meeseeks box. And it doesn't go as well for some of them as it does uh, for others. It doesn't really work out. The sister and the mother ask for these really abstract things. Like Summer wants to be more popular in school. What 17-year-old girl doesn't want right? to be more popular? Right, I want popular. to be popular. And the mom... Um, we haven't mentioned, kind of has a strained relationship with the father. Very strained. This, this marriage is on the rocks. So she wants to feel more fulfilled as a woman. And those are both such abstract things to ask for. So the father, Jerry, decides, well, he's going to ask for something simple and concrete. He, he thinks wants- about it a lot longer yeah. than they do, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. He wants to shave two strokes off his golf game, and that's <laughs> what he asks for when he hits the button. So when I first watched it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is not going to go well. How do you and be it- more fulfilled as a woman? That's <laughs> so weird. How do, you f- how do you do that? And it didn't go well. But not for the characters that I thought it would. You know, no. the first two actually get solved really quickly. The first Meeseeks gives a speech at summer school, and by the end, everyone's applauding, and they love her. Yep. And then, poof, he's gone. Yep. You know? And then in the second one, uh, the mother goes out. They're sitting on, like, a little patio. They're having a fancy lunch or something. Yeah, yeah. They're both getting a little drunk, and it comes out that maybe it's time that she needs to leave her husband. She can't believe that she's even having this conversation, and the Meeseek is really reassuring her that she has a lot to offer and they have a moment where they almost kiss and then poof he's the gone. gone because now she feels like she is a woman again yeah well i think all she really needed was just a proper therapy session yeah. like that's really what he yeah. gave her right he took her out for lunch gave her some wine and just listened to her because mm-hmm. jerry doesn't do that no he does not get what's going on in her life well clearly his priorities are skewed when all he wants in <laughs> life is to shave two strokes off his golf game <laughs> meanwhile at the golf course the Meeseeks, who's trying to help jerry is having such a hard time. Straighten your back. Follow through. Which one is it? Keep your head down. And he can't follow all of this advice at one time. And he's getting more and more frustrated until he's about to give up. But then the Meeseek has an idea. He pushes the box again. And so a second Meeseeks arrives. And he's like, I'm Mr. Meeseeks. Look Look at me. (laughs) And so then they ask him for advice. And of course, he basically gives the exact same advice as the first one. And then it starts getting out of control. More and more and more Meeseeks are being created, but none of them are dying, and they are losing their minds. They were not meant to exist more than a few minutes to a couple of hours. Yeah, maybe half a day. They kind of jump later on to the house when there's like a room full of (laughs) (laughs) 
Zeke's dozens. freaking out, trying to help him golf, and Jerry's had enough. He doesn't want to work on his golf game for hours and hours and hours. He's clearly been at it all day. And he goes to his family. He's like, these Meeseeks are kind of annoying, aren't they? And they're like, the wife and the mother are like, ours have been gone for a while now. What are you still doing here? And they keep bringing more and more into it, and they start fighting amongst each other. And one of them even says, like, we're not supposed to exist this long. This is getting kind of weird. This is really awkward for us. And I think existence is painful for a Meeseeks. They don't want to exist. Well, they want to fill their life purpose. They have a single purpose. And some of these Meeseeks have been alive for two days now, which is an eternity to them. And to not be able to fill that life's destiny, I mean, that is. that That's awful to them. And now that Jerry's giving up, they go psycho. Yeah. They start fighting amongst themselves, and then they decide they're going to turn on him. And so the wife and him go out to a nice dinner because she needed feeling, a break yeah and she needed a break and she's feeling good about herself and so they show up at the restaurant and they end up taking a bunch of people hostage and so jerry and beth have to lock themselves in a freezer and, and like those big walk-in freezers yeah. in the back of the kitchen yeah and until finally things have gotten so out of control that beth actually tells her husband you know i love you i believe in you and then he finally gets the courage and he walks out and he's got like a pipe and a tomato and he <laughs> smacks it and it goes into a pot on the stove and most of the meeseeks are like yay, yay you did it and they disappear except for one who's a bit of a stickler what about your short game <laughs> yeah he's like i'm i'm a stickler meeseeks what about your short game so then he has to pick up an onion and he knocks that into a cup on the ground so he can put and so that one disappears too and the staff at the restaurant, all the other diners are in shock. Like, what the hell just happened? What were those things? They all just disappeared. <laughs> so Beth and Jerry make out because they're like, oh, yes, we did it. And they're like, we'll take our food to go. And the restaurant owner is like, no, you won't. The police are coming. We have so many questions for you to answer. Because <laughs> can you imagine these normal people that just had to deal with all these crazy me-seeks that just disappeared into nothing? Yeah, it was really insane. Meanwhile, throughout this episode, Rick and Morty are having a Morty-led adventure, and the whole time Rick is just bitching and complaining about everything that's going on there, but they made a bet that if Morty backs out, then Rick gets to lead all the adventures from here on out, and Morty has to do his laundry. But if Morty leads a successful adventure, he gets to choose, what was it, every third adventure? Well, he started at 1 in 3, and Rick finally talked him to 1 in 10. Right, I remember now. <laughs> so so 1 think, in 10 yeah. adventures? That's pretty by good. Morty? That's a pretty good yeah. bet. About 1 a season, if, yeah. if they're going to follow that. Maybe that's 1 true. a season, I wonder. Right. I haven't watched second season yet, so oh, I don't know. I can't wait to watch second <laughs> season with you. It's so much better than the first, guys. Even when I say, watch this, watch this, this show, you should watch it through to the second season because it gets even better. <laughs> so they're on this adventure where Morty is leading the way and they're in this kind of like fairyland world mm -hmm. with it's like, like Jack and the quest. Beanstalk. It's yeah. like a fantasy quest. And Morty... I like this one because he's really sticking up for himself by this mm -hmm. point in the season. He's like, you know what, Rick? Like, he's telling him, like, I can do this too, or you act like such a jerk, and like, I, I go with the flow, and why like, can't you go with the flow? Yeah. And so he takes on this mission to go and get what is it, like treasure from these giants? Yeah, he's helping the villagers. Mm -hmm. They come to the village, they need the treasure, they go up the beanstalk, they end up accidentally getting one of the giants killed and <laughs> going to trial. It's like this huge thing. Eventually they're let go, and then they have to like scale these giant stairs, and they finally get down one step and find a little bar into mm -hmm, the stairs, and that's when they're like taking a rest. And they realize they don't have any money, and Rick is starting to say, you know, this is really not going the way you think it is, Morty. <laughs> and that's when Morty's really sticking up for himself, and he excuses himself to the bathroom. 
and this is where it gets really dark. We talked about Morty's sexuality, but this is this is a whole nother level. Well, He's, he meets Mr. Jellybean. How yeah. can that be weird, right? Uh, no. This guy tries <laughs> to rape him. Like, graphically in the bathroom. Yeah. He's, like, holding him down, and Morty has to fight him and yeah. smash his head in the toilet seat <laughs> and finally gets out. And at this point, he is feeling really defeated. He's like, you know what, Rick? He, he says, we'll just go home. I give up. But Rick's, at this point, winning at, like, some sort of betting game. Yeah. It wasn't They're- poker, but he would won a bunch of uh, schmecklings. Schmeckles. Schmeckles. <laughs> He won a bunch of schmeckles to pay for not only all their food and drink, but a ride down to the village. So they've succeeded. And at this point, Rick, you can really see how he does care about Morty. I think this is one of the first ones where you see that he cares a little bit about Morty. Well, maybe it's because Morty's standing up for himself. He, I think he likes that. I think he respects people who have an opinion. And who have the balls to just say what they're mm. thinking instead of just being a little coward. Like he kind of was in the beginning. He's so yeah. awkward in the first couple mm. episodes. He's really nervous all the time. And the way he talks... It took a while getting used to his well, It would be stuttering. so overwhelming to go to all these different true, worlds and planets true. and see aliens. And be told to <laughs> shove giant seeds up your butt. <laughs> yeah. So Rick helps him down to the village and... They find out that this jelly bean was the king of the town. And Morty's like, let's just leave. And Rick totally sees through it. He mm. sees like the jelly bean man and how Morty's acting and as they're going through the portal because they go everywhere with uh, Rick's portal gun he just shoots the jelly bean man and kills him it's so great and there's a dark moment right at the end when these in that villagers... little end credit that part we were telling you about after the credits so some of you who have even seen this episode may not have seen mm-hmm. this part they're going through this King Jelly Bean's house and they find I guess a box of pictures probably kitty porn yeah, considering that's... he was trying to rape Morty it's very heavily implied but the villagers want to destroy it. They don't want this king's memory to be tarnished. And that's a really dark thing. You should be exposing. That's how these crimes are perpetrated. And in- they're standing in front of a Mr. Jellybean statue with him, like, holding the shoulder of a kid because, like, he stood for, like, all these great things. <laughs> and I guess he was good to kids in the public's eye or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then they just kind of say... Oh, we'll burn them. We want to remember him for the ideas he stood for and the man he represented, not the man he was. <laughs> Which is so disappointing because that's how society is a lot of the times. Yeah. They just kind of shove it under the rug when it's said and done because... Well, they did more good than harm. Yeah. So. But I like that because it makes you think of, is, do you agree with that or do you not? Do you think that they should tell the truth? I totally think Rick was justified in killing this guy. I was so happy when Rick <laughs> killed him. Just like that, too. Yeah. Like, he just... Like, literally hand through the portal as he's leaving, like, lasered him and just killed him as they left. So he saved the town and killed their leader. <laughs> it's one of my favorite episodes. It was really and well done. so much is happening. You've got three storylines happening in the regular world, and then this whole adventure where they're climbing beanstalk, they're giants, they face a court case, and you even have, like, an interrogation scene with the cops, and then yep. they're on these stairs in this tavern. Like... There's so much happening. These are, what, like 22, 23-minute episodes? And throughout all that, they still managed to put in, like, a million jokes. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Very clever. And even the parody of the court cases and and the detectives, it's spot on. Some Mm -hmm. of these, like, legal drama proceedings. And that leads perfectly into the third episode we really want to talk about, and that is Ricksty Minutes. I think you could not get an episode that is more full of all these different 
parodies and thoughts and premises than this episode. They touch on so many different universes because in this episode, they're watching TV <laughs> and they're watching The Bachelor, which is a terrible show. Well, I don't know if you guys like it, but <laughs> no. it's a terrible, terrible show. And Rick just can't take it. And Summer's like crying and he's like, this is a fake wedding. Like this guy's pretending to marry this woman. This isn't even real. Like, how can you care about this TV? Let me show you something way cooler. And so he shows them this infinite TV from infinite universes. Yeah, he uses a time crystal, I remember. Because <laughs> at this point, Morty's, like, really good at the adventures mm-hmm. and the weird dimensions. And he's like, that's a time crystal. He's going to show us interdimensional TV. They have all these classic shows, but then with these really weird twists. It starts out kind of simple, like a world where all the people, in quotes, are corn. And so it's acting out like that. But then it gets into, like, a violent antiques roadshow. It gets into... A universe where everybody eats their own feces. (laughs) Oh, that one's pretty gross. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It gets into one where there's quick mysteries, where literally these are, like, five seconds long. They're like, a murder's been committed, and a guy walks up. It was me. Here's the murder weapon. I did it. This is how I did it. And then it cuts to the judge. Guilty. Sentenced (laughs) to death. And then here's another quick mystery. And they go through, like, three or four of these. I feel like they just had all these different ideas for weird places to go, but couldn't fit them into other episodes, (laughs) so they threw them all into Rixie Minutes. And I think they did a really good job of showing how absurd all these different universes could be. There's Ants in My Eyes Johnson, and he's selling things, and everything's on fire and there's literally like ants crawling on his eyes it's creepy we talked about the squiggly eyes this is so much creepier yeah or this guy who's doing a commercial for fake doors and then it goes on for a really long time and he drives home and he's eating food and then the commercial starts back up again (laughs) yeah it was the commercial the whole time come down why wouldn't you want a fake door? You can fill your whole house with fake doors. Look, they don't open. They don't go anywhere. Come yeah. buy a fake door. And he's got this long catchphrase that's like seven sentences long of yeah. like, don't even worry about it. Just come down and get some doors. <laughs> oh I think they also use this episode to really make fun of a lot of modern TV mm-hmm. and movies, obviously. Infomercials. They make fun of infomercials. They have two brothers <laughs> who are blowing up stuff and then aliens come and they're two brothers. There, there's Mexican sombreros and then they fight them with tomatoes. Then there's some old women who come in, and then there's some asteroids, and then the moon crashes into the earth, but it's all about these two brothers. And Morty's kind of like, it seems like they're improvising this whole thing. And then the narrator even starts laughing, like, yeah, it's called Two Brothers. And he's like laughing as he's saying it. It's absolutely absurd. It's well done, though, because they do fit a lot of parody and satire into this episode. (laughs) And all the while, there's this whole family drama going on with parallel universes when they find, through watching this TV, that there's an alternate universe where Jerry is a movie star and he's in Cloud Atlas. (laughs) He's written movies. He's starred in them. He's making the rounds on all these late-night talk shows. And as soon as he sees that, well, he wants to know more. Mm -hmm. But Rick only has one pair of these goggles that lets you peer into all all these other universes where you've led these different lives. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of sad because these parents had much more successful lives when they didn't have kids. And so Summer's really depressed because in every life that she's in, their life sucks. They're playing Yahtzee. They're playing (laughs) shoots and ladders. Oh, no, nothing's happening. There's blank screen. Oh, I guess I wasn't born in this one. (laughs) But meanwhile, in some of the other ones, the mother's winning Nobel Prizes and the dad's being a lion tamer. She's an accomplished human surgeon instead of just a horse surgeon. Just a horse surgeon? Just a horse surgeon. (laughs) (laughs) That's an ongoing bit, too 
of she's very proud of her job, but then a little insecure, I think, at the same time. And she blames Jerry and the kids mm-hmm. for holding her back, and that's part of the reason why their marriage is on the rocks. But in the end, you know, it all comes back to Rick and Morty, who are just happy to watch this crazy interdimensional <laughs> TV. And it really kind of solidifies their relationship, and you see why he kind of likes Morty the best. Yeah. Because the rest of the family is so self-involved, whereas Morty kind of plays into Rick's self-involvement, I think, a little bit. Because <laughs> yeah. he is so selfish. The other thing I really like about this is it touches on some of the planets and universes and dimensions that these characters have already gone to. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a Gazorpazorp field, which is like a take on Garfield, but in this one, he's like really explicit. He is screaming and swearing at John, and he's he doesn't... He's so abusive. <laughs> he's like verbally abusing him. Yeah. John's just kind of taking it, but in that reality, he doesn't eat lasagna, he eats enchiladas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there's and... little takes, and they all have these like arm-leg things that stick out of their head. I think they're arms that come out of their head, and that's from the previous episode mm-hmm. Where they go to Gazorpazorp, which is a planet where the sex bot was from. The sex bot was from, and that's where that episode led to. And in Gazorpazorp, you know, they have arms over their heads, and the males and females are separated, but they have cartoons <laughs> for just the females, I guess. I, guess I didn't so. really think about that. The men aren't really watching TV; they're kind of just fighting terrible creatures, and that's why these women send down these robots to procreate because they're not going to touch these guys. No. It's a very Amazonian race of females are in power, even though the men don't realize it. I love. Just one thing I want to say about that Gazorpazorp episode is I love how when the women all come to each other to greet each other, their standard greeting is, hello, I'm here to talk if you need me. I'm here to talk if you need me. Like, and so they're like, we have evolved beyond everything because we've left the men behind. And they're like, obviously we would like that because, you know, we're girls. But it's pretty funny the way they did it. It was well done. It just shows how good they are at satire of what they think women want and what kind of women's TV is like and how <laughs> yeah. they're portrayed in the media. Yeah. Your top is Awesome. That's how they. That's how they how they get out. Is summer saves the day because with her with superior fashion. Back to Rixie Minute. There was also a universe where everything started to a shma. Like such an <laughs> awkward way to start it. Like shma Mantha, shma Jessica. <laughs> well, it's actually a who's the boss remake. Yes, and that's so it's what like it shma like yeah, shma <laughs> I love that one. I knew there was something like okay. that. And that's what, even when they're they're throwing in these little things, like, they are takes on all these other shows. Like, like real-life shows. Like, the Quick Mysteries is clearly mm-hmm. making fun of CSI or 60 Minutes or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Cops or something. But there is a great detective drama with baby legs. Oh, I love baby legs. With a normal torso and then, like, kind of like a diaper and these stubby little legs. And, you know, and babies walk funny. <laughs> they wobble around. But he's paired up with a regular-sized detective and they have to solve crimes together. But baby legs wants to prove he can do it. Except, no, he can't. He walks and runs like a baby. And he like, falls over. And then he makes, like, a weird sound, too, when he's like, Whoa, when he's running. He, he makes baby sounds when he's running. And they don't call this guy regular guy he's regular legs baby legs and regular legs <laughs> the very last scene in this one that's kind of that little stinger scene at the end is where hamsters are living inside people's butts yeah and people aren't really people because they're just kind of hamster transportation like uh, kind of like a snail it's like the house slash how they get around but it's funny because the rest of the family are asking so many questions like is there like a house inside what happens if the hamster goes out of the human will the human walk away Mm -hmm. and rick is getting really pissed like i'm watching the same show you are i can't hear what's going on you're talking over it and he gets so annoyed that he's like fine we're just gonna go and he pulls out his portal gun and they take a family vacation and to this crazy to world. Hamster butt world. <laughs> and they take pictures with all these hamsters because they're the people living out of people's butts. And just 
picture them walking on their hands and feet with their butts in the air and these hamsters sticking out of everyone's butts. Like, it's the weirdest thing. But they really just explore any crazy idea that comes to the creator's heads or the writer's heads. They just throw it in there. Why not? Go with it. It doesn't need to make any sense at all. And that's what I love about this show. They don't always have to tie off the loose ends. They don't Mm -hmm. always have to make sense of it. They go in very realistic sci-fi directions, but they also take completely absurd directions just to make you laugh. Yeah. The imagination behind this show is, oh, it's like unfettered. It's just pure, raw creativity. Like I said, it's earlier, it's kind of like Adventure Time on Crack, just because they're not limited to what's appropriate for kids. They're not even limited to what's appropriate for our society. This is a very inappropriate show. So even though we've told you all to watch it, hopefully you don't get offended easily. Or even if you don't get offended, like, super easily. You might get over it if you start to warm up to the characters. It does take a while. Like, they are very abrasive at the beginning, but those bonds do grow. The more time that they spend together, the more you understand where they're coming from and how they got to be where they are. Like, one of Rick's catchphrases is... Wubba-lubba-dub-dub. Exactly. (laughs) I had to say, I get so excited about that. Wubba-lubba-dub-dub. I've been saying that a lot this week in preparation for this episode, just because I've been watching so much more of it. And you learn in one episode that there's actually a huge definition to this word, but basically means that person is in pain. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm... What does it mean? The actual technical definition is, I am in great pain, please help me. So every time that it seems like Rick is celebrating something, he's just actually desperately reaching out. And I think that's why he brings Morty along. He's obviously gone to a lot of these planets and worlds before. He's very familiar with these aliens and the way things work, but he wants someone along for the ride. And it's actually in the moments where he's spending time with the family that he doesn't feel the need to say that catchphrase anymore. Yeah, it's true. They do bring that back where, you know, he is a sad, sad person Mm. and he, he He's looking for some meaning in his life, and even though he's so smart and he knows so much about all these different dimensions, he's still not happy, and he think he realizes that, and that's why he comes home. Mm-hmm. You kind of find that out a little bit later, that he, com- he comes home because he cares about his family, and he realizes what he's done, and that he wants to kind of salvage that relationship. And as much as he butts head with all the, these people, because they're not as smart as him, they don't value the same things he does, he thinks that his daughter married a moron, and he openly says it right to his face all the time. Yeah. And he also says to Summer, the daughter, all the time, you know, like, I don't care what you think, but in the end, he cares about them, even mm-hmm. though he doesn't respect their intelligence, because in comparison, they're really not. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that you can have both of those things, mm-hmm. you know, y- you see him save these people and, and come back for them, and he's not going to let anything happen to them. If he's going to let something happen, it's he's going to be doing it to them. He's not going to let some stranger do anything to them. No. As self-centered as Rick is, he sees a lot and does honestly try to help Morty and the family out. Like, when Morty has a crush, he's willing to kind of get that girl's boyfriend out of the way for him or try and, you know, give him a love potion to get everyone to, well, not everyone. It's supposed to be one girl to fall in to love with him. To get Jessica to fall in love with him because he's just so obsessed with this girl Jessica at school. So yeah, you're right. He does go out of his way to help Morty, but then at the same time, his morality comes into question later on mm-hmm. in that episode because he ends up screwing over the whole world and they all get kind of Cronenberged. Basically, everyone on Earth becomes these mutated monsters and uh, Rick and Morty have to jump to a different dimension. In this dimension the alternate Rick and Morty died at that exact moment, Mm -hmm. they end up taking over their lives. They bury these corpses in the backyard. And just slip right into their places. Because everything else was the same. Mm -hmm. And 
that's scarring for this child. You know, in a later episode, it comes back that he has to eat breakfast like 20 meters away from his rotting corpse every single day and know that this isn't his actual real-life family. And that leads to one of my favorite lines, though, in that show when Summer's freaking out about the parents. That's actually that episode where Summer finds out that her life is boring. They're always playing shoots and ladders or Yahtzee and... She's really upset about it. She wants to run away. And Morty's like, I eat breakfast next to my own grave every morning. Nothing matters. Nobody's here on purpose. So all we can do is enjoy the time we have. Come, let's watch TV. And it's really deep. This is another way I found the show is really deep. They get into these existential questions. They talk about why we're here. What's going on in the universe? Why do we do the things that we do? Well, even in one episode, Rick creates a tiny little robot. Oh, I love how they have these throwaway plots because we were talking about how they throw away jokes, but sometimes there's even a D plot where he creates this robot and his purpose is just to pass the butter. But he gives this robot consciousness. It's like artificial <laughs> intelligence. It's sentient. And it says, why am I here? What am I purpose? He's like, you pass butter. And this robot looks so defeated. But he did it. He passed the butter, but that's not enough for him. No. And is that enough for us? I kept thinking, like, we don't know our purpose, but if we found out, we might be just as disappointed. Mm -hmm. Like, this show really gets into a lot of philosophy. Well, that point about philosophy kind of brings me to a question that I had about the show. Going back to the knee seeks, I wondered if you had access to that technology, what would you ask a me-seek for? Ooh, that's such a good question. I definitely don't need to be more popular now that I'm not in high school anymore <laughs> and I have more than enough friends to keep me busy. And I don't think I want to be more fulfilled because I'm pretty awesome. We're both pretty awesome. <laughs> we don't need that. I honestly think I'd ask something really simple. I think that I would just use the Meeseeks box every morning and ask them to clean my house and cook me a gourmet dinner. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. See, for me, I went in the opposite direction because the ones that worked out were the most abstract ones. So for me, I think I might ask a Meeseek to help me find my life's purpose. Oh, that's a good one too. They might have like a really interesting perspective or a way to kind of have a discussion that would lead you to that. So that's kind of why I went philosophical with my answer about that is because the ones that seemed really practical actually had the most glitches. Well... Your golf swing is kind of practical, but he did open that jar really well, and I feel like anyone can clean a house. I don't think a Meeseeks would have a problem cleaning my house every morning, and then I'd never have to put anything away. I could just live like a slob, like a rich person, and get my Meeseeks to do my chores. That's uh -huh. definitely... I still, I'm still sticking with that, but finding your life's passion, I like that one. For Rick, his is really obvious on the show. He loves these adventures. But what I found really interesting is in the second-to-last episode, um, you actually see a bunch of these Ricks and a bunch of these Mortys all together. Yeah, we talked about how they can go through space and time in different dimensions. Well, all these other timelines all have a Rick and Morty. <laughs> so there's actually thousands of Ricks and Mortys. And Rick knows this. It kind of comes to a surprise with Morty. But I thought it was really cool how they you get to meet all of these other Ricks from these different dimensions in that second last episode. When you see all these Mortys together, too they have kind of been uh, subservient because Rick is such a leader. They've been pushed down a little bit. But when you get our Morty, the Morty we're following, into this group, he actually inspires them all to follow their life purpose. And you hear that they have such different opinions of one wants to be a writer and one wants to do this. And the one that looks like a hammer is more than just a hammer and he can do more <laughs> than that. And so I love that even different Mortys in this universe have different life passions. Like Rick is always kind of Rick. He wants to invent. He wants to explore. He He's that of, mad scientist. Yeah. But Morty 
because he's a child, has so many possibilities in his life. I didn't even notice that. Right? That yeah. is really cool. <laughs> but I love what I love about that episode is that we find out there's actually a council of rich <laughs> because they're so worried about I forget the like, governments. They hate all the different the governments. governments. There yeah. is a government to all the interdimensions, which comes in the second season. So I'm not going to talk about it. But they're so worried about it that they create a council. And Rick's just like, "You guys created a freaking council. You're a government, and I'm the rickest Rick of all." Yeah. And by the end of the episode, Morty kind of is declared the one true Morty. If Rick is the Rickest Rick, then he is the Mortiest Morty. I know, I love that. And I'm sorry for interjecting this here, but my cat is being super weird. So what are you doing? <laughs> She's under a blanket digging on a chair. <laughs> so I'm sorry for that weird noise you're hearing. But She's having a ball. She loves it. <laughs> but the Rickest Rick kind of brings us to our trivia of the day. Mm -hmm. So the trivia that I wanted to ask you guys is the Rickest Rick and Mortiest Morty are from what dimension? Yes. They label all the dimensions. Mm -hmm. There is a name for them, and they say it several times throughout the first season. Mm -hmm. So if you know the answer, you should message us because we're going to tell you it's... Mellow Mutt Munchies. Yes! That's right. The answer to last week's trivia of what was the other Scooby snack in the Scooby-Doo series, it was Mellow Mutt Munchies. <laughs> so for those of you who are new listeners, we do this weird thing where we like to give last episode's trivia answer in this episode. Yes. And so tune in next time to our feature episode to find out what dimension Rick and Morty are from. The original Rick and Morty that we follow in the series. <laughs> But if you have the answer, you can actually send it to us at animationsandlibations at gmail.com. You can send us a message on Twitter, which is CJ and Cam, or even on Instagram, which is also animations and libations. And if you get it right, we'll congratulate you on the air. We'll give so you a shout out by name <laughs> on the cast. <laughs> so I know you guys could just Google it, but I bet there are some hardcore fans that know it off the top of your head and we want to hear from you. Yes. And those hardcore fans will also know that Instagram is the platform for Rick and Morty. And the reason I say this is because I found out while researching the show a little bit that there is actually an Instagram game for Rick and Morty. How cool is that? It's awesome. She was showing me. It is super, super super cool. I didn't so, understand how there could be a game on Instagram. I was just going to say, how would there be a game? When I read that online, I thought, how can there be a game on Instagram? But what you do is when you find the first page, it is actually based on Anatomy Park where they have the space in the background and the blown up Santa homeless hobo guy. And if you click on all the different pictures, there's little links to other worlds and you can go to the their homeland earth you can go to fantasy land you can go to all the different places mm -hmm. that they explore in the show you can go to the hospital that the mom works at <laughs> even and all of these little things lead to little easter eggs there's little videos they posted on instagram so there's so much fan content on instagram it is like a whole i spent actually like an hour looking through all the different <laughs> instagram pictures and it just is never ending it's so cool what they've done they've put a lot of work into this Instagram game. Well, this show really utilizes social media to its full advantage. Actually, in this first season, before that Rixty Minutes episode came out, they released all of those TV clips on Instagram. There was 109. On Instagram? Yeah. 
On Instagram? They in 15 second clips because most of the clips are very short of all those that. different TV shows. So they posted 109 different clips before the episode aired. So it's worth checking out their Instagram. Check out ours too and follow us. Animations and libations. <laughs> yeah. All spelled out. But this show really knows how to engage its audience and it has so much content that they can afford to show all these bonus scenes and special features online. Makes sense now why they have such a cult following. It is. You guys should join the cult, guys. Join the cult. <laughs> I, we have. Yeah. We drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Actually, we drank the pineapple juice gin. Yes. So, cheers, guys. Cheers. Clink. And as they say in Canada, peace out. Peace out. <laughs>